Okay, quick poll. Um, how many of you do the laundry in your house? Give me a show of hands. Okay, how many of you do the dishes in your house? How many of you don't do any chores in your house at all? <laughs> uh, thank you for your brutal honesty. Here we go. We're going to talk about relationship roles for a little bit. Relationship roles. Um, if we just kind of give that a definition, right? Uh, a relationship role is a set of roles adopted to achieve peace and functionality, right? A, a set of roles adopted to achieve peace and functionality. In other words, just simply, um, who's going to do what? Who's going to do what? And, and these things might play out in, uh, in things like, like teams, right? A sports team or a, or, or a work team. Um, it might play out in things like friendships, right? We have uh, certain relationship roles in our friendships. Uh, and, and especially, uh, of course, in the marriage, wedded bliss state of union that we uh, sometimes, that, that we live in, right? So, so marriage, when, when I'm going to meet with newlyweds, um, I, I sit down and I talk with them about um, what their expectations are as far as who's going to do what in the house. Because if you don't sort of set and establish the relationship roles, then guess what happens? There's usually some fighting or some boxing gloves that come out, and, and then there's other problems that happen, right? And so you got to talk about it ahead of time and, and sort of establish the relationship roles. Usually these are kind of uh, learned from your family of origin. So the, uh, you know, the husband uh, saw his parents and how they function in their house. You know, dad did this, mom did that, and the husband just assumes that his new marriage relationship is going to be just like that. Well, the wife, on the other hand, saw her parents do something a little bit different, right? And so she expects that it's going to work just like that. And then they get into the marriage, and if they never talk about it or they never have the space to think about it, then all of a sudden they're going to be sort of butting heads a bit because the relationship roles haven't been really clearly defined. So let me give you some examples. And for each of these examples, um, there's a me, a them, or a both option, right? A me, a them, meaning the other person, uh, or both options. So one option, uh, one example might be gassing up the car. Uh, is there anybody in your house that's designated to gas up the car? I, I just uh, actually heard about this this week, that that's like actually a thing, that there's like a relationship role where uh, in one, you know, like this person usually gasses up the cars. In my house, uh, both of us kind of gas up the car. We kind of just do it together, right? If you're running on empty, just fill it up, right? It's just, or not even on empty, just if you're passing a gas station and you're like, just fill the thing up, right? So, so in our house, we both fill up, uh, we, we both fill up the car with gas. Um, laundry, we got laundry doers. Right, that's me in my house. Right, I do the laundry. Um, fix things around the house. Uh, is, is there a designated person? Yeah. So in my house, we both do that. But what really happens, by the way, is we both try to like we we both attempt to fix it and we mess it up, and then we call somebody else to kind of help us, right? That's really what happens if I'm being honest. But in my house, fix things around the house. That's both of us. Um, dishes, right? That's Krista usually in our house. Um, trash. That's usually me on Monday nights. Um, grocery shopping, that's usually Krista. Okay, that's usually Krista. So, so, so just think about this. Relationship roles, right? It's important to just define what these are going to be so that you kind of know how to function, how, so that you can have peace and functionality in your relationship. Everybody kind of tracking with me? Um, every once in a while, these relationship roles switch 
in our friendships, on our teams, in our marriages, they'll switch sometimes. They're a little bit fluid, right? Maybe for a day, um, maybe for a season, maybe you're just like, I don't ever want to do that chore again, and you just, and it switches forever, all right? It switches forever. So, so think about this. Sometimes we mess up these relationship roles. Uh, how many of you, be honest, how many of you have had a fight that's basically because of relationship roles. Maybe not in your marriage, maybe in a friendship, or maybe on a team even, right? If we mess up relationship roles, it usually leads to some kind of battle. It usually leads to some kind of fight, some kind of pain or frustration in our own hearts. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, sometimes we step on the toes of the other person. A uh, perfect example is when, uh, you know, this was before, um, you know, the, the kids went back to school. And on this particular day, um, uh, Krista had her job, which was to help the boys do their homework. And I had my job, which was to be working on my own stuff in the back room. And you can probably see where this is going to go, but on this particular day, Krista and I don't remember which one, but one of the boys, they were butting heads over the homework. And uh, things were starting to escalate, escalate a little bit, and it was getting louder. And uh, I could tell that there was tension rising in the house. And so I'm supposed to be in the back, you know, working, quarantine. We weren't back in the building yet, so I was still at home working. And uh, me and all of my brilliance, I said, oh, I can be the hero here. And I said, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to help, right? And I, and, I, and I swooped in, and I, and I took the boy, you know, out of the scenario, and, and, and in my brain, like, yeah, I'm rescuing my beauty, and I'm helping her. Turns out she didn't appreciate that I stepped in and sort of intervened in a place where she had a plan and was trying to do something with one of my young men. And so um, uh, that didn't go particularly well, and it caused some kind of pain and frustration in her heart that she uh, lovingly expressed a short time later. Um, just because our marriage is an equal opportunity marriage, I want to just uh, uh, you know, throw her under the bus as well. Um, sometimes uh, I will ask her to do something, Maybe as simple as, hey, will you please read this document and give me some feedback? I do a lot of like writing and stuff. And so, um, you know, will you read this and give me some feedback? And, and so her job, right, would be to um, read that document and give me some feedback. Well, well, sometimes we mess up relationship roles because we just don't do what we're supposed to do. And so more than once, but uh, at least once, uh, she has failed to do this simple task that I've asked her to do and she has promised and committed to do. And that causes some level of pain and frustration in my own heart uh, that I would lovingly express uh, a short time after um, that role was failed to be fulfilled, all right? So, so relationship roles, right? We can see how this uh, is an interesting dynamic and, and is very important to sort of establish um, who does what in a relationship. Uh, today, we're really just kind of looking at both of these readings from Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew 28, and we're considering our relationship roles with Jesus, we're considering our relationship roles with Jesus, and, and really just a couple of the relationship roles, because the reality is um, Jesus says a lot of, hey, I'm going to do this, or, 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 or you do that. 
uh, but, but we're just going to consider a couple of them. Uh, but, but before we do that, I have to establish a couple of ground rules. Ground rule number one, he determines who does what. Will you just say that with me? He determines who does what. Let's have uh, this do it again just for full participation here. He determines who does what. Massively important. This is not like a mutual conversation between a future husband and a future wife. This is not a mutual conversation between coworkers. This is the master builder, the creator of all things, uh, the one who's able to create something out of nothing, saying, hey, I'm gonna do this and you're gonna do that. He determines who does what because he's the master builder. Um, second thing, second rule, uh, I guess, that we need to establish is that the roles never change. Go ahead and just say that with me. The roles never change. Yeah, the roles never change. Um, what he says, uh, we, we're just going to, unless he like, comes really clear, you know, out of the sky, writes it in the sky, or some way of shifting the roles, uh, the roles that he establishes are the roles that never change. And so we want to let his role be his role, and we want to let our role be our role. All right, so, so the two roles, uh, two rules, oh, I should have thought about that ahead of time, rules and roles. The two rules, right, he determines who does what, and the roles never change. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, let's just kind of get right into this. Jesus said, I will build my church. That is so crystal clear, amen? I mean, there are some passages of scripture that are like, difficult. <laughs> you got to do a lot of digging. You got to like hunt around the context and figure out what it means. This is not one of those sections, you guys. <laughs> like this is so clear, right? I will build my church. This is super clear. Jesus says it in front of the disciples and, he, and, and Matthew records it for us to see and for us to know. Um, uh, we've got to do a little bit of unlearning here though when we see this word church. Um, when we see the word church, we kind of instantly think, oh, building. We instantly kind of think, oh, mega church with hundreds of people staring at some guy or some band on a stage. That's ten that tends to be what we think of when we think of church. Um, let me just kind of say, when you see the word church in the New Testament, it never means either of those things. It never means a building, and it never means a guy on a stage that everybody's staring at. It never means a band that everybody is staring at or singing with. Never means that. Um, in, in the New Testament, a church is simply a gathering of people, period. <laughs> uh, over time, we've kind of understood it to mean more of, of, of a gathering of people that are called out of one place and into some place else. And so for us, right, a church would be a gathering of people that are called out of the Brentwood area. And, 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 and where are we called to? <laughs> Wherever Jesus is. We're called into the presence of Jesus. Um, I, I will build a gathering of people called out of the world and, and into me. That's what Jesus is saying. I will build my church. Crystal clear. He's establishing the relationship roles. Um, right before that, super interesting what he says, right? On this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. On this rock is, is possibly one of the, the, the three most misunderstood uh, or, or confusing words in all of Scripture. It's super interesting uh, because we get like this really clear statement and then we've kind of over time messed up these on this rock uh, thing. So, so here's the thing that might be helpful. Who do you think Jesus is pointing to or what do you think Jesus is pointing to when he says on this rock? Here's three options. 
one option is to say that Jesus is pointing at the apostle Peter. Right, that's one option. Uh, some churches and some commentators will say that. Uh, we're not going to engage that theory too much today because um, it, it, I, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. So it's possible that Jesus is pointing at the disciple Peter and he's saying, on Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Um, another option, a better option, is that he's pointing at the thought bubble or the speech bubble that Peter just said. You know how like the cartoons, like you get the little speech bubble thing? So we're just going to imagine that there's a speech bubble, you know, kind of floating out there in this moment. And Jesus is pointing possibly at the speech bubble. What Peter just said is, hey, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, Matthew has been building up to this moment. This is Matthew chapter 16. He's been spending 16 chapters trying to get somebody, anybody, to properly identify Jesus. Uh, Matthew has been waiting and longing for somebody to say, hey, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter just said it, just said it in chapter 16. And so it's very possible that Jesus is pointing up at those words and he's saying, hey, hey, Peter, what you just said, right, the statement about who I am and what I came to do, yeah, we're going to build the church on that. That's what I'm going to build my church on. Um, that, that's an okay option, and I'll go there with you if you uh, really want to argue about it and, and have, a, have a conversation about it. But here's what Jesus is pointing to. Here, here's what he says. On this rock, I will build my church. Not Pastor Dave. Jesus. Pretend that I'm Jesus for a second, right? On this rock, I will build my church. You guys, every single time in Scripture that you get the word stone or rock that's pointing to a person, guess who it's talking about? Jesus Christ. And then for some reason we get here with these three words on this rock, and uh, we scratch our heads and we say, oh, who is that talking What is that talking No, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is pointing to, I just imagine him looking at his disciples saying, hey, on this rock I will build my church. And so it's so interesting, right, because he doesn't say, I'm going to build my church on great programs. I'm going to build my church on a great music ministry. I'm going to build my church on a great preacher because, you know, you know because that's very attractive to people. I'm going to build my church with a great building, state-of-the-art, super beautiful. No, on this rock, I will build my church. So crystal clear. And yet, even though it's so crystal clear, um, we kind of mess up our, our relationship role here, don't we? Um, sometimes we, uh, we, we step on the toes of Jesus. Uh, when we make church about something else besides Jesus, then guess what? We mess up our relationship role. When we make it about programs, when we make it about the building, when we make it about the preacher, when we make it about the music, guess what? We're messing up our relationship role. Um, when we put pressure on ourselves to build the church, we mess up our relationship role. Um, I know because I face that temptation. <laughs> um, I know that our staff here feels that temptation. I know that some of you feel that temptation. That you, you feel that pressure because you love the church and you love Resurrection Ministries. And so you love to, 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 uh, the, for the church to be successful, quote-unquote. And so we face this big temptation that says, oh, I'm going to build the church. But what you're actually doing is you're re replacing Jesus with yourself. And you're stepping on the toes of Jesus. 
And we just got to be like brutally honest about that and put that in our face. I'm putting that in my own face this morning, right? Jesus said, I will build my church on this rock. And then see the, the incredible good news here right at the end of, of that section. He says this. He says, um, he says, the gates of hell will not overpower it. Did you catch that? How powerful that is? The gates of hell will not overpower what Jesus is building. See, uh, Jesus is just saying, hey, look, you'll never be able to build something as structurally sure and good as I'm building. You'll never build something as enduring as I'm building. You'll never build something as great as I am building. So stop trying. Let me do it. He's saying, hey, it's my responsibility. I'm going to build my church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this gathering of people that are called out of the world and into me. I'm going to build it, and it will last forever because not even the gates of hell will be able to overcome it. I will build my church. Um, okay, Matthew 28. Uh, we, we shift here, and, and, and this is super cool, right, because uh, Matthew 16 was super clear. Uh, this is also super clear. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, you make disciples. Again, pretty, pretty clear, right? There's not a lot of gray area there. Some sections of Scripture are hard to understand. Some sections of Scripture are not hard to understand. This is super clear. You make disciples. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, hey, you go make a bunch of churchgoers. He doesn't say, hey, you go make a bunch of Bible scholars. Hey, you go make a bunch of, uh, you know, tithers that give their financial gifts to the church. No, he says, hey, you go make disciples. What's a disciple? Oh, come on. Oh, there shouldn't have been a pause there. Come on. What is a disciple? <laughs> exactly. Even though there was a mumbling, right? If you're online, right? Somebody who follows Jesus on mission, with, uh, follows Jesus, changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. It comes right from Matthew chapter 4. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about that or knew that connection. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says, hey, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? Somebody who follows, is changed by, and is on mission with, right? We didn't make that up because we're so great and creative. We're just using the words of Jesus, y'all, right? Matthew chapter 4, what is a disciple, right? And so, 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 so it's not, again, right, crystal clear. Jesus said, hey, go make disciples, um, in, in kind of just a broad, general way, a disciple is just a follower. It's just a follower. If you're just like in, lo looking for the broad definition of what a disciple is, it's just a follower or, or somebody that walks the same road in the same way that you walk it. So when Jesus says, hey, come and be my disciple, he's saying, hey, I just want you to walk on the same road that I'm walking in the same way that I walk on the road. So what he's saying here in Matthew chapter 28 is he says, hey, I want you to go. Hey, guys, look, look, we've been doing this for three years. For three years, you've been walking the same road that I've been walking in the same way that I've been walking it. So, so disciples, I want you to go out and I want you to disciple others. I want you to invite people to walk on the same road that you are walking in the same way that you are walking it. Just see this. This is not done in the masses. You can't do this with 100 people. You can't. 
Because guess what? If I had 100 people in a line behind me, they'd be able to walk the same road, but they would not be able to walk the same road in the same way that I'm walking it. They wouldn't use my language because they can't hear me if they're number 99 in the back. Right? They wouldn't be able to imitate the way that I walk because they can't see me. I'm, I'm number one and they're number 99. You can't do this with the masses. You do this with one or two or three people. Jesus had 12. You ain't Jesus, neither am I. So you should probably think about one or two or three. Jesus says, hey, I will build my church. You make disciples. Um... Sometimes we mess up our relationship roles because we just don't do what we're supposed to do. And I don't know why uh, you're not. I don't know why we don't. But, but look, um, maybe we just don't want to. Maybe we've got better things to do with our time. We would probably never say that to Jesus. But maybe we just don't want to. Maybe, maybe we... Um, we, we feel like I've got better things to do with my time. I, I am too busy to try to do that with one or two or three other people. Maybe we don't know how, right? There's a sense of like, I don't know how to make a disciple. Um, uh, and, and, and if that's you, then, then I just want you to know this because you might not know it. Resurrection has a bunch of people now that have been intentionally discipled to, to disciple other people. And so if you're in that boat where you're saying, I'm not quite sure how to do that, <laughs> come talk to me and we'll get you connected, okay? We've got a bunch of people that know how to do this and would love to walk with you and help you become a disciple that makes other disciples. Um, the other reason maybe that, that we don't do it is because we're kind of looking around and we're playing that comparison game and we're saying, well, that person makes better disciples than I could, so I'm just going to let them do it. Pastor Dave's a great disciple maker. Kristen's a great disciple maker. Adrian's a great disciple maker. And they do it so well, I'm just going to let them do it. But for whatever reason, right, we mess up our relationship role and we just don't do what we're supposed to do. Jesus said, I will build my church. You go make disciples. Um, I want you to see this last phrase in Matthew chapter 28, which is super powerful and super cool because it kind of reframes uh, your relationship role. Jesus says, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. See, we might see that, that thing that says, hey, you go make disciples, and we say, oh, okay, Jesus expects me to do it. But remember the three options, right? Me, them, or what? Both. And, and I believe that what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, no, no, I'm not just sending you out on your own to do this. I'm going with you. We go together, and together we make disciples that make other disciples. Together we will help people walk the road that Jesus is walking in the same way that Jesus is walking on that road. Um, that day that, uh, that I tried to play the hero and, uh, and I stepped on my wife's toes, do you know what I did later that day? I said two words. I'm sorry. Uh, which is a good thing to do, by the way. It's also good, by the way, to, to, to look at your spouse and say, man, thank you for everything that you do. Right? Thanks for the roles that you play. It's good to look at your friends and say, man, thanks for the roles that you play in this relationship. That's super good to do. It's also good when we kind of mess up our relationship roles to just say, I'm sorry. 
And, and I think that um, because I've been a little bit in your face today, we just kind of need to think about saying, I'm sorry to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry that I try to take your place. I'm sorry that I step on your toes and I try to build the church myself. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry that I sometimes substitute things in your place, that I get focused on music or preaching or programs. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't do my part. I'm sorry that I haven't been making disciples. What do you think Jesus is going to say if you sit down and actually just said, hey, I'm sorry for messing up my relationship role? So you think about this, right? His role, his role is to forgive. He's going to say, hey, in this relationship between me and you, my role is to speak forgiveness to you. My role is to set you free from your sin. My role is to send you out. Isn't that amazing? You're sitting down and saying sorry, and he's saying, oh, I'm going to send you out. I forgive you, now go. Right? It's so beautiful what he does. Like, it's just amazing and mind-boggling to me. Jesus is going to say, hey, my name is Jesus because I came to save people from their sin. He's going to say, look, I give everything to buy you back. You're like a priceless treasure in a field, and I give everything to buy that field because you're in it. He's going to say, look, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for you. He's going to say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said, I will build my church. You go make disciples. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, we, uh, we, we thank you for, <laughs> for clarity. Oh, man, we thank you for the clarity of, uh, of, of what you're going to do and, and what you do in an ongoing way. And, and we thank you for the clarity of purpose that you've called us to. Um, there, there's so much freedom here today. <laughs> uh, we don't have to put the pressure on ourselves to, uh, to get everything right and do it just perfectly and uh, make a great big church. Uh, we don't have to be the expert discipler. We just get to follow you. <laughs> uh, we just get to be disciples and invite people to walk with us along the way. Jesus, we just thank you so much for, for, for your role of speaking love and forgiveness and sending us out. We ask that you would uh, continue to put in front of us this clarity of who you are and what you do and who we are and, and what we're supposed to do. We continue to speak our sorrow over messing up these relationship roles. And we thank you for just sitting at the table with us, listening, and speaking your love and your forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.